This is Hitting the Mark. Conversations with founders about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success. With your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Geierhalter. Prioritize it, that it's important. You know, and and we did that because our co-founder is a designer. I just think it can really make or break a company, what that feeling is that you're giving to, you know, it's, you know, obviously it depends on whether you're B2B or consumer, or B2B to C, but just prioritize it. It, it. For a lot of founders, especially if you're technical, it's just sort of an afterthought, but, but find someone who you can lift up on your team and be like, you own it. This is important. Um, and, and give them the power to, to make it great. This was Nicole Montoya, who, together with a designer, co-founded ChatterUp 10 years ago. The platform helps over 100,000 groups and organizations collect payments and information to support and grow their communities. Nicole and I talk about how important design was to the success of the brand, how, as a product company, being highly aware of feature creep is a must to ensure that the brand does not steer too far from its positioning, and how getting outside brand help can reinvigorate the product experience. But before we dive in, just a quick note to join your fellow listeners in keeping this show advertising free, while perhaps even hopping on a monthly mentorship call with me. Go to patreon.com slash hitting the mark to learn more and thank you for pitching in. And now without further ado, over to my inspiring conversation with Nicole. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I'm excited to talk to you. Oh, likewise, likewise. <laughs> so it's 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 been 10 years since you found the Cheddar app. Is that correct? That is correct. Amazing. Yep. Amazing. So so just to give my listeners a little bit of, of a perspective. So so Cheddar app is a platform that helps by now over 100,000 groups and organizations and teams and all kinds of other people collect payments and associated information, people's information to support and really grow their communities. Um, I, I run a hardware startup on the side. Don't ask. It's crazy. Um, and, and, and everyone says, and they tell me this now that I started this a year in, um, they say hardware is the hardest. It's in the name, right? But I feel like fintech with all its regulations, I, I mean, it doesn't sound like the easiest endeavor either. T take us back to, you know, now that we talk about 10 years, right? Take us back to maybe the first the first couple months, six to 12 months. So really from idea to complete chaos to, to first success. How was that beginning? Like what made you start Cheddar Up and, and how, how crazy was it just to like go through all of these curveballs of starting a basically a financial organization? Sure. Well, cut me off if I talk too long there. Um, I'll, I'll <laughs> so on day one of the six months. <laughs> exactly. exactly. When, you talk, when I talk about the early days, like the memories just flood back. There were so many funny, hard, you know, challenging times. Um, but I'll adjust the fintech point that you said. Like, I think when I started Cheddar Up 10 years ago, I mean, fintech was so different then. Um, it was just less evolved. Um, there was less fraud. There was, you know, less regulation. Online payments were honestly just kind of becoming a thing. And 
and that was that was why I felt like the world needed a platform like ChatterUp is I was in um, management consulting originally in my career, and then I moved into helping a fintech company. So my brain was kind of on fintech at the same time. I had two young daughters who were, you know, doing all kinds of young daughter things in school. And <laughs> I found myself writing a lot of checks and filling out a lot of paper forms. And I thought it was super silly. I was like, I'm driving this paper form across town with my check. Um, there's got to be a better way kind of thing. And it was, it was sort of that realization combined with the fact that I realized I wasn't I was never the one to raise my hand to collect money from a group because it was it always got a bit tangly or awkward. Um, so I thought, hey, I feel like I could see this platform. I could see it solving kind of a lot of different problems like this, really payments focused on groups, payments and collecting payments and information. So that's what I set out to do. And naively just, you know, like like I think a lot of entrepreneurs do, they're just like, oh, let's go solve this problem. Let's go, you know, find some folks who know more about fintech than me and can code and and let's go build how hard could it be be. thank goodness you never know um when you're starting or you wouldn't start uh so but so that's that was the naive kind of entry point and i pulled my co-founder in shortly thereafter i was like we gotta we gotta solve this you're a you're brilliant at design and and consumer um instinct so let's go let's go do this thing and so we did and i mean there were some were some hard times we did we did like a couple of startup accelerators in san francisco so if you can just imagine like a mother of some young girls moving you know kind of spending months on end in san francisco with these different business accelerators trying to raise capital never having done that um just getting comfortable you know pitching and wait so not to not to cut you off but so you were at this point you already had two young daughters right Correct. So you're you're a young you're a young mom <laughs> in yeah. San Francisco at an accelerator with in the boys club basically back then I'm sure a, a, a decade totally. ago. Yep. It must have been really weird to say the least, and and maybe just really difficult too because I mean times have changed. Times have changed. They have changed. But ten years ago, you're exactly right. It was weird. That's a good word. It was weird. And you can kind of get in your own way a little bit, or at least like I was recognizing, like I can either just like be disgruntled about how weird this is, or I can just like, you know, get the most out of it that I can and kind of yeah. push through. And that's where I, I that's what I did. Um, but there were some weird moments to say the least. And I didn't necessarily feel it wasn't like my comfy place, let's say. So, but I got through it and there were, I mean, there were funny times, it, you know, at one point Chatterup almost ran out of money in terms of funding. Then we raised some more. We had a lot of great supporters who kind of helped me guide the ship. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any really funny moments, but so we started the company back in like 2013. We raised our first money, very first angel round in 2014. And then we raised a meaningful round in 2015. And then we really started to, I mean, it was just sort of slow going back then it was also when Venmo was on the rise. So when, in terms of raising capital, we had to really differentiate ourselves and explain why we weren't like Venmo, right? We were really yeah. focused on groups and the feature set that, that is required for groups and collecting both payments and information is really quite different. So telling that story, figuring out how to tell that story, you know, we continued to build our platform so that we were truly solving that problem. Um, that took a while and it took a while to get some momentum. I'll say in 2018, we had a little bit of a breakthrough because um, 
you know, we, we had a partnership that, that came through and we sort of turned the cor corner revenue wise um, and we became a bit more sustainable. But there was I definitely have some PTSD from the early ages, <laughs> the early yeah, days. I mean, I mean, I was about about in the in, in so yeah. Long story short, I, I used to run an agency, uh, a brand a brand agency, and I, I I realized that you know startups and companies just don't need that big stuff anymore. They just need focused results quickly with their brand, right? So I I basically changed to a consultancy, and in the very beginning, and that was about ten years ago, um, I was only working with Silicon Valley type startups, super early stage, and it was just a love for entrepreneurship and, you know, and so I was actually at the same time you were up in Silicon Valley, I was in Silicon Valley and I was um, mentoring at plug and play and like founder Institute and all of this stuff. And it was awkward even for me. <laughs> and, you know, like, like, like being, being, being at plug and play where it's it suddenly, it's kind of like you're, you're, you're walking on a highway and you're suddenly realizing, oh my God, you better really sprint <laughs> to be part of this because everything just goes so quickly and everyone's speaking their own lingo and you just totally feel like an outsider for the first six months or so until you start to either figure out, do I fit in and want to stay here or do I actually like, you know, find, find different ways, which, which you did and I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly, I, I, that's totally right. And I did find different ways. Like once we became, once we raised our second round, I was like, okay, I do better not in that scene. And so I'm, I'm just going to really focus on growing and operating my company. And it, and so I just sort of took a step back from all of the startup scene and it was, it was productive for me. But you still had to race, right? Did you, did you end up racing, uh, not in the Valley, but somewhere else? We did end up raising in 2017, we did another round and I don't, I mean, we, we were in 500 startups, so we took some money in Silicon Valley, but not much. We really took money from Utah, a couple funds in Utah who I, who, you know, are near and dear to me, like Kickstart Seed Fund in Utah is a great fund. Um, Foundry Group out of Boulder, FG Angels. Yep. So yeah, we, we sort of found some other, some other homes on that regard. That's great. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And something that you just said before uh, made me, made me, made me realize something. So you... You talked about, you know, like how the, how the first big breakthrough really was was five years in and how that idea of being really, really focused, because at that point, five years in, there must have already been a lot of fintechs at that point, right? In the beginning, it was like Venmo, and then it was suddenly everyone. Um, let's talk brand positioning for a minute, like today, mm -hmm. right? Because having a laser sharp focus on who your audience is, the problem you're solving for them, maybe functional, emotional benefits... And, and having that clear reason for your existence as a company are some of the core components, right, that make for a strong brand positioning, which in the beginning was definitely true because you constantly had to talk about that. Like, this is how we, this is how we differ, right? But right. after growing for 10 years and constantly innovating and constantly adding features, it must be easy to start focusing too heavily perhaps on the latest feature and get sidetracked from your co-audience or for your reason, for, you know, from, from your reason for being, how do you walk that thin line of not turning into, let's say the next Patreon or the next Shopify? Because I know you can do a lot of these things, but how do you, how do you do that? Like, do you have guardrails internally where you say like, we have to stay focused and, and how far do you feel like you can go with new features? I don't know. It's, a, it's like a loaded question, I guess. 
No, it's such a good question. And it really resonates with me because it, those are things we think about all the time. And you're right, as it relates to our brand, as it relates to how we build our product, like we're always focusing on our end user. And that's why we were able to kind of pull, to your point, pull through during those early days when it sometimes it felt like we were beating our head against the wall. It was like, we know who needs this platform and they need it and they love it and they appreciate us. And they were, I mean, at, back then and still I mean, all types of people use Cheddar App who are organizing groups. But back then they did tend to skew female, our user base. Um, a lot of times females are, you know, they're definitely group organizers. Um, and we like, we were them quite frankly. So we, we knew like they, it's the teacher gift, it's the fun run, it's the Girl Scout troop, it's the like these users, like there wasn't a platform that was serving them. So we have been quite vigilant. I'll say there's one time we sort of veered, it was a growth hack in 2018, where we sort of duct taped some features on to help some people who were doing direct selling, so direct sellers, but we only did it because we knew the people behind that industry were also our target market. And we thought, hey, if we can help them with their little direct sales problem, we can you know, channel them into using it for all the other things that they need us to use. And while that was, was a brilliant growth hack, it helped us grow at the time and grew our revenue. But we've been very conscious about you know, what our core capabilities are and what our intentions are in terms of problem solving. Um, and that is, that is truly the normal group organizers of the world for clubs and HOAs and um, all of those use cases. So it's no easy, it's no easy task to build software that can be so flexible and versatile for all these different group cases. That is our challenge um, and it's a fun challenge. I think we, we solve it well. But at the end of the day, we do keep really focused on like, okay, is this a feature? Is this a feature that group organizers need? And yeah. I'll say my scope of that was probably a little too narrow a couple of years ago because I was like, we're payments and forms, we're payments and forms for groups. And then <laughs> I realized like there was this whole, um, there's a whole nother use case that our users, we just launched a feature set called signups, which is just another type of form, another type of information collection. And it was like, I had this aha, I was like, oh, duh, like our users need that too. Like they're, so it's really, it's just sort of something that we're constantly putting under the lens of, you know, does this fall into the use case of our group organizers? Um, but it's always top of mind. So it's so great. It's so important. I, I mean, because I, you know, because, because you build features like, hey, I can now sell t-shirts. I can sell t-shirts in three different sizes with four different designs and I can do all these things. And suddenly it's like, Literally, I'm like, you know, on Shopify or I can, you know, I can create groups like in Patreon and I can do these things. And it's so easy to start saying, oh, this is a new product. Let's just launch it as its new product on the side. And then you completely lose the brand, right? Just by that, by that, by that one simple thing where you have all these features and functionalities, but you have to constantly think about this one person. And you must probably have that one person or these two, three people where it's like, would she like that? Like, would that work for her? And how important is it on her, like, number one, number two, number three list? It's most probably number six. So let's just hide it on the site as, like, an add-on. Right. Right. No, it's true. I mean, the other good thing that, like, the other thing that we rely on on that regard is our support team and our user feedback. Our users are pretty vocal, and our support team is pretty amazing. And so they channel them through and we're always sort of implementing new ways to get that feedback straight to our product team. Um, and it's the same kind of thing, right? If this is a, one of our core users and they are saying, wow, we really just 
you know, we love what you do. If you could add a ticketing feature, like that's something where we're like, okay, are we a ticketing platform? Can we add mm -hmm. ticketing and still be who we are? Um, and, you know, usually, yeah, it's called, you know, it's feature creep and, and there's a, yep. there's a, there's where it becomes a little negative and there's where you just become amazing. So we're, we're always, like you said, kind of trying to ride that line um, and make sure it fits under the umbrella of kind of who we are, which is, you know, helping groups collect payments and information. It's funny that you mentioned feature creep in that sense, because I, I in, in my early career, um, I worked for a digital agency and that was our number one word to use all day long, right? It's scope creep, feature creep, right? Like <laughs> things that go, but I never heard it internally being used at a client, which makes sense too, because it's basically when your customers want all these features, that's feature creep too. And you just got to make sure what actually works for for the brand what what works for for the bottom line talking about the bottom line um without fees where does the profit come from and it's funny that i ask it because everyone's going to ask you that right i, I google cheddar up and one of the first questions is like how does cheddar up make money <laughs> is, it, yeah. is it mainly through through paid plans like bigger plans like the pro like and the team plans it's definitely both. So, and, and you know, we do use some marketing ease with that language, you know, collect, collect on Shutter Up for free. And that's true by and large when, let's say, a club organizer hops on Shutter Up, creates a collection, shares it with their community. There are convenience fees at checkout. They're pretty, they're quite, quite low. Um, but we'd make a little bit on that. And those fees are passed by default to the person paying. So if I'm an organizer, I stay on Cheddar Up free plan. I keep those fees passed on as they are for by default. I'm essentially using Cheddar Up and tons of features and software for free. Um, so we do make money on that convenience fee that is about 75% of the time paid by the payer. Um, and then we also make money, like you said, on our our paid plans. We have a free, we're sort of classic, it's an old school term, but I don't, it still applies to our business. Like we're kind of classic freemium, right? You can start yeah. on the free plan or if help looks like I need some more features or I really want, you know, to do recurring payments, then you can jump to pro and team. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, it's, you know, but we're growing a lot and it's, uh, the, the processing is, you know, we, we do make most of our money on processing. It's just be because our processing is increasing so much. Um, mm -hmm. It's hard to have the subscription side of the house, you know, catch up. Yeah, and but, it's a scale thing too, right? I mean, if you've got 100,000 of those small transactions, they start adding up. That's right. That's right. So let's talk about how absolutely beautiful Cheddar Up is from an, from an experience perspective. The design is just, is just really, really gorgeous, like every little detail is thought of. Um, and to me, it was clear when I just looked at it for a second, I'm like, oh my God, it's a very design-driven organization. And you and I talked about this offline before we started hitting record, but I, I just learned last night that um, that your co-founder, Molly DiCarlo, is actually a creative. She comes from the brand and design background. So suddenly it all makes sense. How do you, how do you feel this strong design language um, has added to the success of the brand and, and and maybe even to your bottom line? Like how important do you feel that was and still is? Um, it's so important. And I love that you figured out, like like we said, we were talking, I was like, Molly should be on here because- <laughs> She should have. <laughs> my fault, everyone listening, my fault, it's, not no, Nicole's fault. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's, it's, but it's fun to talk about, about, you know, how much she brings to Cheddar Up. It's, I think it's huge. I mean, I- 
I care a lot about brand. I, you know, when I'm on platforms, I only want to be on platforms that look and feel beautiful. And we want to offer that same experience to our users. Um, and it's because of Molly that we do. Um, you know, she's very, her attention to detail, her eye, I mean, she she's responsible for everything. And I really do think it's what makes Cheddar Up stand stand apart. I mean, we are constantly innovating, but if it didn't look so darn beautiful and it's, it's everything from, you know, the core components of the brand to like, Hey guys, the padding is off. Um, those yeah. are, those are yeah. big deals. You know, they make a really big difference and I can go on a platform and, and I know how, you know, how much brand is important to uh, a platform. And it, it makes a huge difference on the user experience. I also think that Molly's been just, masterful at creating a UI that is easy. Um, our users have such a varying level of tech fluency. Some are, you know, really savvy. Others are not at all. And creating a UI that it just seems approachable and actually is really simple um, is another really big challenge. That it's we're not easy. This is oh, not, God. this is not easy. And I thought about this when I was navigating the, the site and and uh, I, I definitely would love everyone listening um, to, to, to do the same, just to really think about this when you have groups that are being led by someone who, you know, like, like might be older, you know, or someone who, who's, who's very, you know, like not, not tech savvy. And then yet you have to get the next generation sucked in and it has to look just as cool as whatever mm -hmm. they saw on TikTok, right? And it's like this thing where how do you create a brand language around that where... And then it's not just top level, it's like every button and every animation. And so it's fun talking behind Molly's back. I think it's great that she's not here. This is good. <laughs> I, but, but, but very often, um, I mean, you come from the managing consulting world. Um, this is not necessarily the world where you, you start your own company um, and it being a tech company and it being in finance and, and you deciding to actually have a designer, creative director as a co-founder. And I think, I think this is such a good example to see how much business sense it actually makes if you decide to do that and if design can really, really shine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know maybe it's a little non-traditional, but for me, it made just perfect sense because because I just really felt like we were creating a brand. We were creating a fintech platform, but we were also creating a brand and we wanted to create something that was took a task that was really laborious and, and irritating, quite frankly, and kind of our goal was to kind of flip it on its head, make it kind of fun, make it kind of playful. Um, and that's what Molly's done. And um yeah, I think it's paid off in speeds. All right, enough about Molly because her head is exploding when she's listening to this. So that's it. But um, looking back, what was what was one of talking about you know building this brand, right? Like, what was what was a big breakthrough moment where you felt like you know what this little startup of ours, um, the, the the startup that could, it actually now really feels like it feels like a brand, like something happened, like we, we were a brand now. Was there a moment where you had that feeling where you just like came home or like, you, you know, like you finished work and you just felt like, I think that's it. <laughs> we Cheddar Up is a brand now. That or was it the minute that you came up with the name? I don't know. Oh gosh. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's such a, it's always, a, it's a journey. So I hate pinpointing one um, one time, but there were definitely a couple of inflection points. I mean, for sure, it was when the lo first logo was created, this sort of flying cheese cube. 
um, that, that Molly designed. And and I, and a couple of years ago, that's 2020 or 2021, maybe maybe 2020. You know, Molly and I were like, we need a little, we need a little sparkle. We need a little injection of energy as it relates to the brand because she had been designing for eight, you know, plus years, and it was there was some fatigue there and she wanted a shiny new logo that was just a little bit more innovative. So we did hire some outside help under her art direction. Um, and we, we did a logo refresh. So now it's, you know, it's just super flexible. We can make vests with embroidery and all kinds of one color stuff. Um, and that was fun. That was super, a super fun unveiling. And then we also brought in um, just some brand, consultation um for just like a whole new look like a refresh we took the same playful vibe um and we actually worked with the firm out of italy um and it was so oh, fun it was so fun it you're like, like wait a minute who can help us with cheese it could be uh, either exactly. france or italy let's do italy <laughs> yeah, we're like that's so cool we feel cool just by you know having a zoom call with them we feel cooler um And honestly, it was it was so I think it was so fun for Molly because she you know she created storyboards, she inspired them, and they just took it and showed us some some fresh stuff and and it was it was fun. I mean, it was just so fun to like make things a bit more cohesive because you know over the course of eight years, you've got a million landing pages and you've got you know so many. Oh my many god, I'm sure. And yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. You don't so, even know what you have anymore at that point, right? Yeah. Like if you need a complete like brand audit to just figure out what, do, what properties do we own by now? Right. Exactly. And, and we were pretty scrappy for a number of years still are quite frankly, but um, it was fun to just be like, yeah, we're going to invest in this. We're going to, we're going to time, energy resources. Um, and it was really fun to unveil that. Um, you know, we're still, we're still actually cycling through like right now we're, you know, creating a new trade show booth and we haven't cool. updated that yet. So and, it has to funnel through. And and I love, I love that um, as a co-founder um, that, that, that there comes a time where you design so long and spend so much time on the brand that you understand, boy, would it be good to just get someone from the outside to like help us shake this up and like look at it in a different angle. That too takes a lot from a creative to actually say like, that would be a good thing. Um, and, it, and it's great when you actually revel in that and you, you, you know, like the excitement that you feel and you co-create and you suddenly have the power of so many more, right? Um, it's, it's wonderful. In, in, my, in my recent book, I wrote, uh, if your brand's website has no about us section, don't bother launching. Um, <clears throat> so I kept searching high and low, but Cheddar Up doesn't seem to have an about us section. How come? Where oh is it? Gosh. I want to learn. That is, that is so funny. And your timing could not be better. I'm <laughs> cracking up over here. It's so funny. I, I, it was my own hangup. I just didn't want to, an about us page because I just, I was just like, I think I don't like the attention or something. I just didn't want my head floating somewhere. I don't know, but Nicole, I Nicole, up. you have one week. This launch, this, this episode <laughs> well, will air on. <laughs> it's actually, it will probably be up by the time this airs. Oh, it's funny. in development. It's been designed. Oh, it's that's been great. written and it's being developed right now. And now, and then once, you know, once we got it designed and in, written i was like oh yeah this is great like what the heck why don't we have an about us page let's get that up so it is coming it is coming. great good 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 look i can't find anything to criticize but i found this but even that i can't so here you go <laughs> um, where how does how does it work from a from a from a marketing um point of view like 
what works well in your marketing mix and what doesn't. It it must be, I first thought, since this is, you know, like the audience that you described, right? Um, very, you know, heavy, heavy female uh, users, uh, groups, um, teams, um, organizations. I thought that, that you would be, you know, like big on Facebook and everyone would be there, but it doesn't seem like those are the platforms. Like how do people mainly find out about ChatterUp? Oh, that is such a good um, question. So a lot of different channels. I mean, years ago, for, for a long, long time, we were very scrappy, grassrootsy. We'd go to state PTA events. We would sponsor events. And we still do all that. Um, but, you know, a year ago, we brought on a chief revenue officer who is brilliant. Um, and she's kind of upped our marketing game times 10 or more. Um, but it is a lot of, there's no silver bullet when it comes to this channel, um, at least if there is, we haven't found it yet. Um, so it's a ton of word of mouth. Uh, we call them the untraceables, as you might imagine, mm -hmm. we're a group and a platform and, you know, they launched to a school with hundreds of people. Some of those payers go become collectors. That is just amazing, right? That's gravy for us, but we can't control it. So um, that, you know, we appreciate it, but we have other things to work on and it's a lot of SEO, pay-per-click, digital ads, yep. um, you know, some display, some retargeting, some cold emails. It's just a lot. It's of a stuff. big mix. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and the untraceables that's, that's interesting, right? Because that's, is, are the untraceables basically word of mouth? Yeah. They're word of mouth. They're yeah. word of mouth. It's, it's, it's just... old school word of mouth. Today we say untraceables. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? We have to give it a fancy term. Um, it's, it's word of mouth or it's even people who, you know, go to an event that we've sponsored and, you know, have our flyer, but they don't use the, you know, the tracking that we put on the flyer or whatever. So they just, you yeah. know, there's no way to know where they came from. So, yeah. And I have to say, it, it is it is always refreshing to hear when a CRO comes in and ups the marketing spend. That's always lovely. <laughs> like that's because that's not usually. It's like let's cut that. <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, spend some money, spend some money, spend it wisely. Talking about money and 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 data, um, I I always like to ask my my guests. Well, as as often as I remember to ask my guests. Um, Data obviously drives the majority of decisions these days when it comes to, you know, a, a lot of decisions within a company, right? Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes that can go against building a brand that's different and stands out and, you know, doing something that's totally off the cuff because data usually doesn't doesn't hint at that, right? Did you... In in those short ten years, <laughs> did you did you ever go against data and and you just did did something gutsy just based solely on your instinct where you felt like okay I know that this is what people want or I know that that's what the data says and we should go there but you know what uh, no let's actually go to the other side yeah I mean this I have a bad answer for this because. Um, all companies are driven on data. We're driven on data, um, but I can't say that we've always been driven on data. Um, we haven't gotten super data smart up until the last few years, to be honest. And so, so much of the first hmm. five years of Shutter Up was based on instinct. Um, and, you know, for good or bad, um, we are where we are today and, and, and we got here. But so I, I could give you a laundry list of things that are that were done based <laughs> the on the first six years. Couple, <laughs> no, no joke. I mean, a couple of things that come to mind are, you know, the direct sales thing, which which I already talked about, like, hey, let's help that industry. Like that doesn't really make sense with what we're doing, but it 
it kind of does and we could grow and that worked. We also have a lot of partnerships with big Girl Scout councils across the country. And that was pretty instinctual. I mean, it seems obvious, but it was just like an idea and we give all of our Girl Scout councils free premium plans. And that was just based on like, I think we need to do this. I think, I you know, we love that community for so many reasons. Um, you know, female entrepreneurship, yeah, yeah, it's growing. It's just, it makes a ton of sense with sort of who we are as a company and founders. Um, so I wanted to support them and I wanted them using Cheddar Up because I knew that they needed it. But I also, um, I also wasn't sure that these little troops would have a budget and we knew that they needed some of our premium features. So we have a ton of partnerships. And I also, I mean, you know, I was no fool. I also was like, this is such a great community for us to grow into. And this is a, you know, could be a real win-win. So let's give them a bunch of stuff for free. Let's start growing in different pockets of the U.S. Um, and that has certainly paid off and was not based on data in any way. That that makes that makes tons of sense. And and getting into entrepreneurial groups, um, you, you know, and 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 kind of like enabling them and empowering them, um, it must feel good for 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 you and the company too to feel like the majority of groups that most probably use Cheddar Up are these grassroots, you know, groups that just try to create a better community or even a better place in a better world, which is, which must feel great for a financial organization to actually yeah. feel that. Yeah, we're lucky we get to serve such cool communities doing cool things, right? These group organizers are honestly heroes. They're, they're raising their hand. They're usually volunteers. They're, you know, helping to grow their community, which usually has some other greater cause behind it as well. Um, and they need a platform like ours. Like we're sort of like when I'm talking to, to investors or when, I, you know, back in the day when I used to pitch, it's sort of like, how are you different from Venmo? And I'd be like, we kind of sit in the middle of the Venmo, which is the peer to peer getting money from point A to point B. And then the PayPal's and the squares who are, you know, pretty focused on small to medium sized businesses. And we're sort of that gap in the middle where these poor group organizers are like, well, I don't want this big system. Venmo's not enough. Um, so yeah, they are an awesome, awesome audience and and they care and i don't know it's just it's great to to hear you know how much they love us or any issues they're having through our support team um but it is it's a easy it's an easy thing to wake up and do every day because we're serving such great people and i'm sure in the in the beginning when you when you did your pitches there must have been there must have been the question popping up um so so why doesn't a Venmo or a PayPal or a Square start catering to groups overnight and then suddenly you're obsolete? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Venmo did, Venmo tried to launch groups like a million years ago and it didn't work out. I mean, it's just, it's just not who they are. It's not their bread and, and butter, yeah. It's just not who they are. I mean, to serve groups meaningfully the way we do, it is a ton of software. And their software is amazing, but it is just getting money from point A to point B and they're masters at it. And I use Venmo. I love Venmo, but I pay the babysitter and the tutor and it's one-to-one. -one. Yeah. Um, and so what they would have to, not that they couldn't build it, of course they could build it, but it's just like, that's not the problem they're solving. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you know, I could be wrong, but I, it's just not been a focus of theirs for a good 10 plus years. Um, and I think we've differentiated our product enough with our features and quite, quite honestly, like kind of, elbowing our way to kind of earn um these users and this brand awareness um it's it's not 
it's not an easy thing to build brand awareness amongst this demographic. Oh, I'm sure. It I'm just, sure. Yeah. It just really just takes time. There's, there's no easy way to do it. So we're, we're doing that hard work, um, which I think is a big difference. Well, at this point you, 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 you earned it and you own it. Right. And, and, you know, in the beginning it must've still been like, can, can they do that, that they can actually sure. right? But, uh, amazing. So we talked, we talked a good amount, uh, a good amount about design and, 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 and branding, but what does now that you, you co-created this, this, this brand, um, you know, after after doing all of this managing consulting, um, what what does branding mean to you? What does that term mean to you? It's usually a pretty misunderstood and mistreated use, uh, mis mistreated uh, term. Like, what does branding mean to you? Um, it's. I wish Molly was here. She needs to answer this. She but is I, not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, branding is important to me. I love a brand. Um, I love our brand. To me, branding is is who you are. And it's sort of the entire package of visuals and messaging that kind of creates a feeling or an intention um, of, of kind of what the company stands for. And, um, and in turn, I think that explains what you do. So it's just, it's this feeling um, mm -hmm. and, and that you create in this presence with, um, with visuals and messaging and tone and all the things. Um, I don't totally. know. You're the brand expert. How did I do? Did I describe it? Is that what it means to you? I, I give grades later. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. It's, it, you know, it is, it is a feeling. And I think that that idea that it's, uh, you know, I sometimes say it's a vibe, right? You get a vibe, you get a vibe from, from JP Morgan, you get a vibe from your local credit union. <laughs> it's yeah. a, that is it. Like now let's create an entire architecture around that vibe and we can go deep into all of the reasons of what, what, what makes that right. But in the end that really, that really is branding. And I, I do this, I do this tough exercise with my clients at the end of my workshops where I, I ask them, what is one word that can describe your brand? Like if you take your entire brand through a funnel and everything where we just said, it's that vibe, right? Like if you take all of that and then in the end, if you were to describe that vibe in, in one word, uh, what would it be? In all fairness, I gave you, I gave you a heads up that this question might come. So maybe, <laughs> maybe you did have yeah, some time. You did. You did. It's funny. And I would just been like, just staring at that question. I'm like, <laughs> it's so hard. It's not really fair, right? Like Coke is happiness. What? Um, but somehow it is. I know. And uh, I mean, it, what's the hard about that question is the one word, right? Like I, I can easily, I would easily say Cheddar Up's brand represents sort of, you know, ease and easy and playful. But I think if I had to pick one, probably easy, just sim simple simplicity. Um, yeah, that's I like what I'm going to I like. I was thinking you go with community, but uh, but 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 it's it's uh, there. There are many possibilities that your brand can own, and that's kind yeah. of beautiful, right? Because because there are many components to to what makes Cheddar Up um, so so successful. Is there any? As we're slowly coming down to 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 the end of this episode. Um, is there any piece of of brand advice, you know, like as as you, you the two of you were 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 building this brand over the last decade plus, um, any brand advice for founders as a takeaway, maybe in the beginning or you know of of of, of when they create their their brand or later on, like does anything come to mind? You know, the only thing that comes to mind is just really just to 
prioritize it, that it's important. Um, you know, and, and we did that because our co-founder is a designer. Um, I just think it can really make or break a company. Um, what that feeling is that you're giving to, you know, it's, you know, obviously it depends on whether you're B2B or consumer or B2B to C, but um, just prioritize it. It, it. For a lot of founders, especially if you're technical, it's just sort of an afterthought, but, but find, find someone who you can lift up on your team and be like, you own it. This is important. Um, and, and give them the power to, to make it great. Absolutely love it. Absolutely agree too, because uh, I'm a trained graphic designer. It's what I studied. So of course I agree. <laughs> Smart piece of advice. Um, what's, what's, what's coming up next for, for the Cheddar Up brand? Like, what are you excited about in the next couple of months, six months? Oh gosh. Um, this is a big product year for us. Um, we just launched signups, as I mentioned, and users are ecstatic. Um, they love it. And we built it well. You know, you, you build and launch a feature and you're always like, I hope we didn't overlook anything, you of know? Of course, yeah. Um, and it's the feedback has been phenomenal. So I'm super pumped to see what our users do with that big feature set this fall. Fall is always our biggest time of year, as you might imagine, um, kind of with the school year kicking off. It's just sports and all the things sort of start to kick off in the fall. So yeah. I'm excited to see what our users do with that feature set. We also have, we do, we are launching ticketing um, to help people just produce a bit more robust events. And um, that'll be done by fall too. And then we're going to launch a template center, which I'm super pumped about, um, which just gives people, you know, helps them start further down the path and just like, you know, grab a template, you know, repurpose it. It also gives them really great ideas um, for, you know, how to use Cheddar App. Um, and so it's a, it's been telling my product team, I'm like, you guys, if we can get this done this year, like this is my, this is my mic drop moment. I'm just going to drop that <laughs> mic and we're golden. Like I'm just, I'm super excited. So next year will be a different focus. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what I'm excited about. And we're growing a ton. So it is so fun to just see that growth continue awesome. and, and and uh, yeah, so we're excited about that. So great, so great. Well, you all really deserve that. Um, it's 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 wonderful seeing and and hearing about you know like how how everything is progressing and the focus that you have. Um, and yeah, templates. I'm saying it's going Shopify. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're not. We're not. It's not <laughs> no, it makes it makes a ton of sense, right? Just enabling an easier an easier uh, way for people to start using the product in the ways that they really imagine, and being able to just plug and play is is huge. I mean, anywhere, right? Um, right. So, how how can people follow you either personally or how how can they get to know Cheddar Up? Um, well, that is a great question. Um, I don't usually spout off my handles uh, often, but um, <laughs> you don't. You don't need to. We could just yeah, dive no, right into Cheddar Up. <laughs> yeah, I think you know, just go to cheddarup.com is the best way. We've got a really active blog, and we talk about all time, all types of cool content. That's a great place to go. Um, Instagram, follow Cheddar Up on Instagram on social media. Um, probably your best bets, but yeah, go to cheddarup.com if you need to collect from a group. We are your platform. Wonderful. Ooh. I love it. Fantastic. Nicole, thank you. Thank you so much for, for spending, for spending the time with, with all of us and, and, and sharing the story and, uh, and talking about the Cheddar brand. Yes, this has been super fun. I appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure.
Nicole of ChatterUp and the power of design, simplicity, and community in brand building. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I have the conversation. And if so, I know I say it all the time, but please do subscribe and rate and share the show. It takes you a second and we definitely appreciate it. Hitting the Mark is produced by my consultancy, Finian, where we create clarity for brand transformations. This episode was edited by Everett Barton and the Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Divon and only happiness won. I will see you next time when we once again will be hitting the mark.